0: Well, lately, as I've been thinking about this series, I've been thinking a lot about names. You know, we've been on the news lately. We've been seeing things like schools renamed uh, to not identify with Confederate generals or others who have values who, who had values that we don't agree with today. And I've been thinking along these lines, and just thinking to myself, what's in a name, really? What's in a name? I mean, each one of us has one. Each one of us was given one by a parent. Historically, with many cultures, name-giving was a very deliberate and careful decision. And it was thought that when you, gave, when you put on a child a name, that that would in some way place a destiny or a future upon them. Oftentimes, many parents would choose name for kids as an expression of their hopes and their dreams for that child. To tell the world that what, what they would believe that child would become. Native Americans, for example, when they chose names, they would choose names that would foretell what, this, what they believed this child would do to impact their world and nature. So many, of the, many Native American tribes, they wouldn't even choose a name for a child until they were a few years old. Because they wanted to get to know that child's personality before they deferred upon that child something as important as a name names had meaning in biblical times too i mean they in biblical times old testament and new testament they believed that your name and your identity your essence as a person were one and the same these days we don't tend to project people's identities into their names when we name our children oftentimes we name our kids based on a family member that's passed on or someone who's still alive that we think is a nice name and we want to kind of let that name continue on into the family i mean both of my names my first name and my middle name which you'll never d- discover by the way <laughs> we're both family names you're know, but for others, you know, we don't tend to go that way. Or we'll just, we'll, we want to go for a trendy name, and we'll get all the baby books, and we'll find what's the hippest name, and we'll give a kid that name. Uh, recently, I've been watching America's Got Talent, and, uh, you know, and I reckon as a, even as I was watching this, you know, some people, they name their kids based on people that they admire because one of these little kids that's performing on AGT this, this season is a, a girl named Celine, and she has a sister named Dionne, by the way. Because the parents think Celine Dion was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And so you can guess what little Celine does on stage, right? Sing Celine Dion songs. Absolutely. Now, we talk about stolen identities a lot in our culture. Because, you know, someone can steal our Social Security identification that's tied to our name. But I think a greater problem for many of us isn't a stolen identity, but it's a misplaced identity. We don't really know sometimes many of us who we are in this world. If someone were to ask you this morning, who you are, how you would identify or describe yourself, what would you say? Think about that for a minute. Where do you place your value in this world? If you're younger, you might say, well, I kind of see myself as a student or as as an athlete, upcoming athlete, or a good gamer, or someone who is in the in crowd or not in the in crowd. As an adult, you might identify yourself by your job, by your career choice, or by your role as a husband or a wife or a parent or grandparent, right? I know people who identify themselves with their past failures and shortcomings, as an alcoholic or as an addict. Those things that we think about ourselves, how we identify ourselves, I believe they really matter. They're important. They prescribe our value while we exist. They they even predict and they determine our future to an extent because they put a focus on how we spend our time and our energies. Without knowing your identity without having any idea what your identity is, you can feel aimless or unfulfilled without a purpose in life. Now, our parents may not have tried to, with our names, establish our identities. They may have left that up to us. But I believe that we as individuals, we don't tend to identify ourselves very well in this culture either. Our jobs, our interests, our mistakes in life, I would say there is so much more to you and me than those things. And I don't think any of us would say that we think it's right that to allow other people to identify who we are, right? And to take on an identity that someone else wants to confer upon us, right? So who can? Who should give us, each one of us in this room, our identity, our value, who, who we are as people? Well, I would ask, isn't that the job of our Creator? Let me give you an example. Any of you know what this is? Any any of you have one of these at home, maybe? How many of you have no idea what this orange thing is in my hand right now? It's a citrus peeler. Now, someone came along and they decided that they had a better way to peel an orange. And they came up with this. And this little blade on this end actually will cut the rind around an orange... And then you flip over to the other side, and it has this little notch. I don't know if you can see it here. But that's used to peel the orange up. And then this little hook here is used to stick under the orange peel after it's been lifted to take the rind off. Now, when I first saw this thing, I thought, and it was in our house, I'm like, what the heck is this thing? I'm like, is this like a nail or a cuticle cleaner <laughs> is this a letter opener or a staple remover? It's too flimsy for that. Is it one of those poke or tester things that you're supposed to stick in cakes when you cook them? It's a little too fat for that. I'm, I'm about ready to pitch this thing in the trash. When I look at my wife, I'm like, what, what, what is this? You see, all I saw this as is a cheap piece of plastic that had absolutely no value. Teresa saw great value in it, my wife, because she knew what the Creator designed it for. And the same is true with you and me. So many people today, guys, we drift through life without a good or an accurate understanding of our identity, our our value, our purpose in life. We try to ascribe our own value to our lives by our professions and our skill sets and our intelligence or our strength, even our shortcomings. And if we're not satisfied with our own abilities to create, to produce, to to do stuff, then we can have a low self-esteem, a low value of ourselves. And the key, I believe, to understanding our identity in life is to look at ourselves through the eyes of our Creator. Wouldn't you agree? Turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 17 this morning. This is where we're going to be. And again, mygrace.church, if you don't have your Bibles with you, you can still follow along with us in Scripture there from your web browser, mygrace.church. I'm going to start reading to you uh, in verse 1. And today what we're going to see is how God decided about 4,000 years ago to change the names of two people, Abraham and Sarah, and in essence, as he was changing their names, he wanted to change their identities. And along the way, I think what we're going to see is that God wants to change our identities, how we see ourselves, to reflect how he sees us. So track with me if you can. Genesis chapter 17. Listen to this. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. Now, keep in mind, how old is he? Yeah, just checking. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground, and then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And I will give you the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. Now, let's pause there for a moment. When Abram was born, his parents gave him a name. And when they gave him that name, they were conferring meaning and significance onto his life. They named him Exalted Father. That was what Abram actually meant in Hebrew. When people would walk around, I mean, this is hard for us to even fathom. But people would walk around and call him Exalted Father. They called him that when he was two years old. Because that was the identity that his parents decided to place upon him. Exalted Father or Good Dad. And so no doubt, right? I mean, if that's your name... Someone like Abram thought about being a dad quite a bit, right? I mean, that was all that he could probably think about because that was his name. Every time someone called, out, called his name, they were calling him out as a good dad. The problem was, as we've seen earlier in this series, right, he wasn't one for most of his life because his wife was barren and infertile, unable to bear children. So people kept calling him good dad when he's 60, 70 years old, even though he's not a parent. Now, God shows up at age 75 to Abram and says, I'm going to make you a dad. But nothing happens, right? And then God promises him this again. And by age 86, Abram's just done with waiting. He's tired. He's like, you know what? I've been called dad now for 86 years. This time I do something about this. I'm taking this into my own hands. And as we've learned earlier in this series, he decides to sleep with his servant, girl Hagar, and they bear a son named Ishmael. Now at 99 years old, God shows up again and he reminds Abram to faithfully trust in him. And he literally, at this moment, God literally changes his name. God says, no longer will you be called good dad, but dad of many nations, father of many nations. Every time someone will speak to you from now on, they won't just call you a good dad. They're going to call you the dad of many nations, the dad of a multitude. Now, imagine what that's like walking around town and asking people, oh, would you not call me good dad anymore? Call me the dad of a multitude. Yeah, I'm 99. I got one kid. But change my name. This is the significance behind what's happening here. Now, God also renamed Sarah, and we don't know all the significance of that name change. It's been lost to history. But we do know that when God confers that name on his wife, Sarah, Abram just busts out laughing. He's like, This is the funniest thing I've heard in a long time. He's like, My wife, that old infertile woman, she's going to give birth to a son now. He even tries, if you look at this passage here, he even tries to convince God, you know what, God, it's okay. You and I can just make do with Ishmael here. We can make this work. God, even in this moment, gives their unborn son his name. As Abraham is laughing about this whole idea, God says, that's what you will call him when he is born. His name will be Isaac, which means laughter. And God's saying, I'm going to get the last laugh here. In a culture where names meant everything, where it was believed to set a course for a person's future, God changes their names and literally changes their identity, how they see themselves. Now, these days, we don't put much value into names or to changing names because our identities aren't really wrapped up in them. Now, in India, I think this was interesting. India, in India, I found out in many parts of India, when someone accepts Christ as their Savior, they li- and they get baptized, in the moment of baptism, they literally go through a name change. They decide to take on a new identity because they see themselves as a completely different cr- person, a new creation, and the old name needs to go away with everything else. But for us, we don't, ju- we don't link names with identity, and so it really doesn't mean all that much to us. And even though we don't do that, I would ask this morning, don't we still all need God to help us to understand our true identities, how God sees us and how we're to see ourselves? I mean, if my identity helps me understand my value and can set a course for my future, if my creator is clearly the best one to explain it, then what would he say? How does he see me? Well, thankfully, that answer in Scripture is very, very clear. God tells us in the Bible what our identity is. And it isn't as a gamer or a golfer. It isn't as a technician or an engineer or a parent or a grandparent. It's not as a, a failure or as an addict. God says your identity, your identity, sitting in this room this morning or listening online, Is as a child of God. First John three, it says, See how very much our Father loves us, for He calls us, He identifies us as His children. And that is what we are. See, this is the identity He wants you and me to live into and to find value in more than any other identity. More than your job, your hobbies, your interests, your skill sets, all those are great. But God says, from as I look at you as your creator, what I see is my kid. That's it. You know, there was a day back in the time of Jesus when some parents came to Jesus with their kids some of you maybe remember this story. And they gather around Jesus because they want Jesus to bless their kids, right? And you remember what the disciples do? They're like, guys, go away. Jesus is too busy for this blessing stuff. We've got more important things to do. You remember what Jesus said in that moment? Jesus got on to his disciples is what he did. And he said, don't stop them because the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who come like these children. He explains that in heaven that that's all we're going to be known as. That's all we're going to be identified as, as his kids. Now, you might be hearing this this morning and you're thinking, Dave, does it really matter? This sounds great. Maybe this makes for a great message. But does it really matter if I see myself as God's child or if I just see myself as an air conditioner repairman or a teacher in the public school? Yes, it does. I think it matters a lot. Because seeing yourself as a child of God also comes with some privileges. And if you don't embrace that identity, you lose out. You don't think about, you don't live into those privileges and they don't set the course for your future. There's a pastor by the name of Tim Keller. And he recently wrote an article about the privileges of living into this identity as a child of God. And this article is in your online sermon notes today at MyGrace.Church. It's a great read if you have some time later today to look at it. But basically what he says here is he lists a long line of privileges that God gives us as his children, including security, including intimacy with your heavenly father, including authority as his kid over evil or demonic forces, even personal access to... To the God of the universe, that's what you get by being God's kid. Anytime you want it, you have access to the creator of the universe. Now, Tim Keller in this article, he says that those privileges should change the course for our future. And he says here, and this is on the screen, he says, we're to move about in the world knowing that it belongs to our father. There should be a confidence and poise about us. Children have the honor of the family name. And there is a wonderful new status conferred upon us. Now, it's important for you to also understand that this identity isn't for everyone. It isn't. Just because you're human, it doesn't make you a child of God. God makes it very clear in the Bible that there are many who are not children of God. You know, I will forever be the son of Stan and Gene Hillis from Gerard, Georgia. They are my parents. I could choose to not have a relationship with them. I could choose to reject them for some reason. But they will never stop being my parents, right? A simple paternity test would prove that over and over again. My birth certificate for the rest of my life will identify me as the son of Stan and Gene Hillis. But the same isn't true with God. And God tells us so. This identity doesn't just come with being a a human. It isn't a given to everyone on on the earth. It's a choice that God gives us to make if we choose to put our faith and trust in Jesus the Bible says it very clearly. It says, to all who believe and accept Christ as their Savior, they are to be called children of God. Now, 1 John 3, I read that a little bit earlier. It talks about being identified as God's kid. Remember, that was where we kind of started this whole conversation for ourselves and our identities. But the verse before that says that those who make choices as children of God live into that identity and that sets the course for our future before we choose before we chose to put our identity in Christ we were left to find our identity in other things in our jobs in the things we do in the mistakes we perhaps have made in the past but when we take on the identity of God's child of God's kid the bible says in that moment we become a new creation Everything else, every other identity becomes secondary to that one. So, the question is this morning the question I hope you will actually wrestle with is how do you see yourself? 4,000 years ago, God reached out to a man and he changed his name, and in that moment, he gave him a new identity. And in that moment, it changed his life forever. Today, God wants to change your name, your identity also. He wants you to see yourself not based on what you do, not based on your thoughts or your ideas or how anyone else sees you, but instead how he sees you as his kid. And doesn't the one who created you, who formed you, not only have the right, but is the best one, To make that decision? You know, when I came to Grace in 2011, one of the great blessings that you guys gave me in my letter of call was a sabbatical that I could take once every seven years. It would be a season when I could step away for a short time and clearly hear God's call for my life as well as for this community. Now, a few months ago, as I was thinking about this and preparing for that to happen next year, I found out about a grant that could be applied for through the Lilly Foundation for a sabbatical. Lilly is a pharmaceutical company, some of you might know. But they have a foundation that gives resources to pastors because they believe, the Lilly Foundation believes, that healthy communities come from healthy churches. And they believe that healthy churches start with healthy pastors. So they had this grant available that pastors can apply for to meet all the needs for a sabbatical. And I applied for it, and it was an extensive process. It was like a 25-page proposal. It took a long time to put together, had lots of data in it, lots of things they wanted to see to justify why I or why we should get a grant like that where hundreds of other people around the nation were applying for them as well. And they wanted to know how we would use those resources well if they were granted to me. And when I started thinking about that, I started thinking, how would I use those funds? And how would I use that time on, that, on a sabbatical? I actually had to look inside, really deep inside, and ask a few hard questions of myself. And one of the questions I had to ask myself was this identity question. How do I really see myself today? I'll be honest with you. When I thought, when I thought about that, I thought of, I, here's what I thought. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm a Georgia boy who's a lover of nature and health and fitness. I'm a broken, flawed man in many ways. I, mostly, I identify myself as a pastor. That is my joy. That is what I love to do. And that moment... God helped me realize that I didn't truly identify myself as God's kid now intellectually theologically of course yes I would tell you I identify myself as God's kid but emotionally if I were really honest with myself I realized that I was placing my identity mostly in the things that I do and that's reflected in what I value and how I spend my time you see Um, when I was in seminary 20-something years ago, I was fascinated by the early desert fathers of Christianity. These were guys who just wanted to give everything to God, and they lived out in the desert, and they ended up forming monasteries where people, these communities would gather to worship God and to serve their communities. People like Antony and St. Dominic and St. Francis of Assisi, they founded these tremendous monasteries and did so much for God... But they lived their lives in a way, when you read their writings and when when you read the stories of their lives, their biographies, you see that they identified themselves first and foremost truly as children of God. So their work and their ministry, they saw, needed to fit into their lives around being a child of God. That their identity first was being a child of God and building that relationship with God through the spiritual disciplines. So their work, their ministries, those all just had to fit in around that identity. And I remember even in seminary thinking, man, wouldn't that be cool if we could make that mental shift and that we didn't see ourselves as pastors and plumbers and electricians and teachers, but we saw ourselves as children of God and we really took on that identity. If I, I started thinking back in my seminaries, wouldn't it be amazing if I could come to a place, at some place in my life, Where my work, my ministry fit in around my relationship with God like they did. Rather than fitting in my relationship with God, my time in prayer and and Bible reading around all the work and the stuff that I pack into my life every single day. And then I got into ministry and that whole idea, was that really cool idea was lost. And in that moment as I was writing that, as I was thinking about that grant and I was staring at a blank computer screen... And I was asking myself that identity question. That's what came back to me. I realized that's what I need. I need to figure this out for myself. I need to understand what it truly means to be God's kid and not the pastor of Grace Community, not the dad of an amazing son or the husband of an amazing woman, but God's kid. And so... Believe it or not, I applied for a grant with this in mind, Uh, $50,000. I shot for the moon. And they told us last week we got the whole grant. (laughs) So next summer, I won't be here. (laughs) I will be traveling with my family to see and experience where the early monastic people lived, how they live their lives and i will spend time in europe resting and studying and on each end of this sabbatical i'm going to actually live in a monastery as a monk under the care of an abbot i'm going to fully embrace this lifestyle and see what god has to root out of me to truly understand what it means to be god's kid And through that process, there will be someone who comes alongside you know, that this grant's going to be funding someone to take my place. And a really experienced pastor, my old mentor from, uh, from my past church, Dwayne Cross, will be serving here. You will be so blessed by this man in his ministry in the summer of 2018. But I can't wait to see what God will do in me to change me. And how when I come back, hopefully I'll be able to give some of what I have learned through that experience to you. Because we live busy, crazy lives in this culture. And I think sometimes we miss out on the fact that our identity first is in being God's kid. So let me ask you this morning, one more time. How do you identify yourself in this life? What holdovers of your past, of your your life before Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus today, do you still identify yourself with? How is your life dictated every day by the things that you identify yourself with the most? If you truly identify yourself first and foremost as anything other than God's kid, then why is that? And do you want to change that in your life? Because God says it's a choice. It isn't a given. But if you make that choice to place your faith and trust in Jesus and find your value in that, to find your identity, your worth in that, rather than the things that you do, Your life will never be the same. God wants you to find your value, your purpose, your future in being what he as your creator sees you to be. And that's his kid. Would you pray with me? God, this is a message, even as I am sharing it this morning, that I can tell I feel deeply. Because I know, God, you're doing something in me that's bigger than I even understand right now. And, Lord, I believe that is something that you want to do in the peop- for the many people in this room, in our, in our society, in our world today, in the church. Lord, so many of us, we just don't get this. We intellectually will be quick to say, yes, I'm a child of God, and we'll put a smile on our face if we identify ourselves as that but then it doesn't change how we live our lives how we, where we, how we see our value our reason for being here God I pray that you will do something in the next God I know this isn't something that can happen in a few days or weeks it's something that we're going to have to embrace and will be a change that takes a long time but God I pray that you would reset our identities, many of us Who need the reset button pushed. And that we would truly see ourselves. All that really matters in this world. Is as being your kid. Because one day. That's all that will matter. For sure. That's all we'll even care about.